the Cranmer Show. This show is brought to you by Bing Pot Trivia. How many times have you been to a trivia night where it just felt like somebody reading questions? Well, Bing Pot Trivia prides themselves on bringing high-energy, dynamic hosts to every event. The show leans heavily on visual elements. Their questions are designed to make you laugh or roll your eyes, while also challenging your knowledge on pop culture, high school science, culinary arts, and everything in between. Their typical show runs five rounds, including a photo round, general knowledge on pop culture, riffs on different game shows, absurd 50-50 questions, and a super sweet music round. Check out bingpottrivia.com today to book your trivia night. Again, that is a bingpottrivia.com. Tell my boy Danny that your friend Quinn sent you. All right, let's get on with the show. Now, you may not know this guest by name, but you'll definitely know his work. My next guest has a pretty long history of creating. From being a music composer, animator, programmer, illustrator, and game designer, it seems like he's lived a couple lives in his 41 years on this earth. Most notably to me, he was part of building one of my favorite open world games as a kid. You may have heard of it, Club Penguin. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Quinmar Show, Chris Hendricks. Chris, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Uh, good. good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Everything changes everywhere, but I'm doing okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> if you want later, we can get into it, depending on uh, how much you sure. talk about. Um, yeah. So... One of like I mentioned, obviously Club Penguin was my one of my favorite games in the world. Um, yeah. I want to with you. I want to go back. I want to start from the beginning of you because you grew up in Kelowna, correct? Yes. Okay, yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. So you would have yeah. grown up in the in the eighties and nineties of uh, Kelowna. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you have a pretty good resume of different roles. So sure. yeah. I want to I want I want to go back to like growing up in in Kelowna and I mean having those interests and hobbies so what like when you were a kid was it like video games comic books oh so that was that was that kind of like the along the lines of what you were enjoying uh to some degree sure you know where I could find them um my uh so I uh grew up with a lot of free time in some ways and was very interested in books. So I was just reading, reading, reading lots and lots of stuff. Uh, you know, there was some TV, but we were a family that didn't have cable. It was like the two channels that you would get on, you know, whatever your antenna happened to, to, uh, bring in. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like, uh, I was probably about eight when my parents actually bought me an old encyclopedia set mm -hmm. from 1982 from the year I was born. And so that just became like, my Wikipedia, right? Of just yeah. like finding out about everything, at least that existed pre-1982 <laughs> that World Book thought was uh, deemed was important. Yeah. Uh, and so there was just this interest in all sorts of random trivia and things like that. And whatever influences there were at the time, um, I just kind of grabbed onto. So like uh, drawing and animation, uh, Peanuts comics, my grandfather loved Peanuts comics and he loved drawing. And so I learned some drawing and stuff from him. Um, and then there would be animated specials uh, for, for Peanuts. And so there was this one animated special that was uh, Peanuts 25th year anniversary behind the scenes. And here's like how you animate a peanut, like how, how an animated short was actually 
done, right? With cells and painters and background artists. I'd never seen anything like this before. And just wires were starting to, core memories were starting to form inside my mind. Like, oh, oh, people can like do this as their thing when they're older. And so, you know, growing up, I'm doodling on homework that I'm not supposed to be doodling on and just using whatever eclectic things that came to mind and, you know, trying to embed humor in there and and horrible horrible puns and just you know it's it's a lot of that right it's it's all that kind of formative stuff from childhood uh so yeah that's that's um, awesome so were were your group of friends kind of like on the same lines as you or were you like maybe the odd one out for like that the love of that stuff um it i feel like i was a bit the odd one out but i've always kind of felt that to some degree uh i know in in school like i remember being in grade two and hanging out with the kids that were in grade six Jeez. and then when i and then when i was in grade six i was hanging out with the kids who were in grade two right <laughs> like it was it, it was that kind of thing where where um yeah just uh when i was in high school i had some friends but often i was either hanging out in the library or just sort of being a floater of like okay i'm spending 10 minutes with you and then i'm down the hallway and going over here and then i'm taking a walk outside and oh there's a bug cool right like that was kind of it was just sort of taking in everything uh for better or for worse yeah uh, so yeah so as you got older, like later years in elementary school, like in, into high school, were you, what was something like taking more of your attention than others? Like, I mean, like we talked about, obviously you have a lot of things in your resume. So like were parts sure. of those in your brain as a kid, obviously in different aspects? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I took piano lessons started for me when I was five. And while I you know, spent six or seven years in piano lessons, the more fun part about it was not playing somebody else's songs. It was kind of making my own little song ideas. And so when I finally earned enough paper route money that I could get a keyboard for myself, well, I paid half of it. Dad paid the other half. Uh, but it was enough for me to uh, actually be able to like play something and then record a second track on top of that within the keyboard's limited memory and so i was starting to like learn about composition and things like that so music was big um i'd say another big event was when toy story came out in 1995 just blew me away of wait a second like there'd been little hints of things like there was the dinosaur in jurassic park and stuff like that but this was actually an animated film that was entirely computer generated meshes and the things looked so real because they did at the time right it's like it so i was convinced for all of high school that my ideal job was going to be to work at pixar and that's what i was like gunning for and and so i figured okay animation that's gonna be my thing um and then you know after high school hit and i found out oh there's also animation in video games and there's a guy in town who's doing some flash animation stuff oh okay maybe maybe i should kind of readjust my thoughts a little bit if i don't have to move to a completely different country to kind of uh, pursue some goals 100 percent. so yeah um later in high school then obviously college you went to aqua what was it what's it called the college you went to 
Uh, there's a few. Yeah, there was, uh, I saw there was two on there. You've been you've been checking out my LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a college in Vernon, OUC, okay. Okanagan University College. Uh, that was just a like six month course in animation. And then within Kelowna, there was a school that's still running, but I was in the first year of it called Cato, uh, Centre uh, Center for Arts and Technology, Okanagan. And I did the two year animation course there. Which had at least some skills that that it started me on the way. Not everything was as applicable as, as I was hoping, but I still got to actually do like hand animation on paper properly on a light table for the first time, and that was really fun. Uh, we had a project where I got to uh, take a Chris Farley quote from Saturday Night Live, but I animated a chicken doing his voice and stuff, and it just like it was it was fun. It was it was it was a lot of fun, and then right when that finished in February 2005 was when I got an email saying hey that thing we've been working on for a, a while kind of independently we're gonna make it a, a bit of a bigger thing do you want to be on board right and so so then how, how did you originally learn about New Horizon Interactive then if, if, if you're not if that was like a uh, follow-up when did you when did it first come to your uh, so 2000 when I was at the OUC Vernon course um, while I was there one of the other instructors not the animation instructor but one of the instructors uh, other than that mentioned to me hey there's this flash uh, animator flash web developer uh, game maker uh, who goes by the online name of rocket snail and in 2000 and so I thought oh well I'm just learning flash animation but rocket snail that's a funny name that's just like i immediately get this image in my head of like a snail going across the screen and the shell opens up and a rocket comes out and it blasts off i was like okay cool that's fun so i take like two or three hours and i just animate this thing and i send my animation to him with my resume and say hey we should we should meet up sometime i was 17 18 at the time wow. and uh and so i get a message back saying yeah we should it turns out he never read my resume he was just impressed by the animation and so and so we got to talking at a local uh bookstore and uh the bookstore happened to also be selling video games at the time because pc games were sold more frequently and more widely than they they tend to be now now it's all digital yep. uh and he takes me to a wall and he says okay point to which game you think sold the most of all these games on the wall I'm like oh, that's interesting uh so i point to i don't know whatever it was unreal tournament or quake 3 or, or diablo or something and he said no it's it, it's this one and he takes me over to uh who wants to be a millionaire which was like huge at the time right because reality shows and stuff like there are more games than just the ones that get the most attention from like the the hardcore gamers and that sparks this idea of oh because i wasn't really into violent video games and i just assumed that's where all the if i wanted to get into games that's what it would be it's like no there's there's more out there it's a big industry even back in 2000 lance rocket snail he saw this and so then for the next five years off and on just little bits he would send me bits of contract work for other projects that he was working on a oh. uh, little little uh the 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 original chat room that he made the penguin chat with he li licensed that engine to like 20 other studios but with their characters instead and for one of those at least i was the one that animated the little uh it was crabs 
little crabs that were walking around. Crabs that look remarkably similar to some other crabs that you may have seen in a much more popular game. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. So then uh, going or going back to what we were just talking about, you get that email saying, hey, this yeah. is going to be a lot bigger than we had talked about before. So you get that email yeah. and you're, is it right away? Yes. No, I'm, I'll come. Like, what were you doing at the time? getting that email. You just, you just finished. Um, yeah. College. I had just finished school and like the common knowledge at school was there's not a lot of tech prospects in Kelowna, British Columbia. You're probably going to have to move to Vancouver. So when he says, Hey, do you want to come and do this thing? It's like, A, this looks cool. B, I don't have to move. See, I'm going to at least have some work experience on my resume. Sure, why not? I have an application for my skills. So it was a no-brainer. That's amazing. So yeah, yeah, like you said, that's February 05. So yeah. you get the job. What yeah. is the beginning of you with New Horizon Interactive like? Right. Uh, so first three months, uh, I was hired just to start out as a Flash developer because with New Horizon, Lance was the Flash developer. And while I didn't know a lot of complex stuff, I could take over a lot of the simple Flash jobs that he would have been involved with. Um, and so like, okay, do these things so that Lance doesn't have to do as much Flash work and he can get the groundwork ready so that we can start building this thing in May, right? So that's what I did, first three months. Then in May uh, 2005, uh, it's like, okay, we're ready to start going. First thing we need is we're going to go with penguins, at least to start with. Maybe we'll do other animals in the future. That was a plan at the time. But we're going to start with penguins. We need to redesign this penguin so that it can wear clothes. And so that was the first thing that they got me on. Remake this avatar that's walking around the world, put clothes on it. And by the way, whatever decisions you make now, we're going to be stuck with for the like duration of this project, because the more clothes we make for it, the harder it would be to change anything after the fact. So think about this really hard. Like, okay, you know, no pressure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that was like the first two, three weeks there of just like focusing on the avatar, making a couple of test clothes, seeing whether or not it would work to walk around with this red collared shirt on and bow tie and sombrero and the really really early items right wow that's that's crazy yeah three yeah. like yeah you like you said two to three weeks working on making sure a penguin can wear clothes properly yeah which making sounds sure that... a weird phrase to, to use but <laughs> crazy yeah I mean, people including me really don't know the work and time and effort that goes into something even as small as that, literally them yeah. just wearing clothes in general. Specifically this topic about like making the avatar work, I've actually already scripted out. One of my next YouTube videos is gonna be just absolutely everything about what it took to make the avatar work. Sweet, so, okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, we'll, and we'll get into that in a bit about you have cool. a YouTube channel because um, I was doing a deep dive into it all day today and you got a yeah. lot of interesting uh, videos on there. So we'll definitely talk about that. Um, the scenes, yeah. So at the beginning, in like the first few months for you guys, as like a team, what were the expectations of Club Penguin? Or I mean, there wasn't even a name for it yet. At right, yeah, because uh, it was still Penguin Chat 3. That was the public-facing version. And then uh, we called it the big update. 
Um, Club Penguin, we had to figure out a name for it. That was a small process, but it was a little bit of a process because we were we were uh, looking at a few different things. Um, yeah, the expectations of it, we didn't think that it would tank because one thing that we have that a lot of games don't going in is it already had a built-in fan base. There was over the past five years from 2000 to 2000 to 2005, there was this core group of people who would just come to Penguin Chat and just chat. It was this weird eclectic little corner of the internet where you could just do that. And the, the whole world of club of Penguin Chat 3 could hold a maximum of 100 people. Wow. But, it. but usually at the time that was enough, right? Um, or, or people were just kind of turned away because of server limitations. So one of the big things was, okay, let's, let's see if we can get that bigger. Um, but it meant that we had hundreds of people who were willing beta testers, hundreds of people who were just ready to just try something out, see where this would expand, right? There were, there were already this, this tiny core group of diehards, right? So when you already have that audience, you don't have to find the audience. As long as we made something that worked well, people would tell other people. And the fact that it was made in Flash meant that at least at the time, Flash was one of the few plugin browser plugins that was allowed in like school classrooms mm -hmm. and computer labs. So on their lunch break, kids could just play that without having to like download some other third party thing and install it to the computer and probably not be allowed to by the teacher anyway right we kind of had that sneaky little it's just flash flash is harmless yeah. which in 2005 it was yeah yeah <laughs> uh so we thought we didn't think it would tank we thought it would probably get pretty big my thought was that we would hit like a million users and my for the million total like penguins made yeah. that was my like optimistic uh uh thought like i think we're gonna hit that uh and less than a year later we did <laughs> like so yeah that's crazy. yeah so yeah. then um your personal expectations just like for you as like a creator in this team what what yeah. were those like um so at the beginning it was sort of a, hey, Chris, whatever skills that you can put into this, please let us know and just just add to it, right? So in the beginning, I was doing a lot more uh, illustration, animation, that kind of things. For the first few months, I was the one like laying out newspapers, right? That was a that was one day of my week was okay. Let's make the Club Penguin Times for this week, right? And no. then and then. Um, a couple days of the week were dedicated towards making the clothing items and or furniture items that were going to be coming up next month. Mm. And then um, there was a little bit of time devoted to parties, like wherever you can squeeze in, make some party decorations, right? Which is why like the first few parties on Club Penguin were very sparse because it was just me. The second artist, uh, full-time artist for Club Penguin was hired in February of 06. And oh, wow. Club, so Club Penguin first, launched. Sorry. Yeah, Club, Club Penguin launched October of 05. So for the first four months, other than the backgrounds of the world that were made by a contract artist in the Netherlands, um, everything else was me, at least on the art side of things. It was a 
very small team. So then what was that like for you guys then that October of yeah. 05, like the release? Because obviously you had beta testing and everything, but that there's yeah. nothing like the actual launch. So like, what was that like? Um, the bigger day, like looking back on it, was probably the beta test day because that was the one where it was actually like we we knew that it could support more than 100 users we hit like a max of 157 or something like that like woo, right yeah. we we have 60 people in the same room and it's chugging but it's not breaking yeah yeah uh and so launch day like it was it was cool that suddenly everyone else could go in but it was October 24th and my mind was on, okay, great. We launched. I have to quickly make Halloween work. Right? <laughs> and, and you did it. Well, I mean, I, at least the rooms, right? Like just True. put decorations, like just quickly, like, okay, let's just slap some stuff around. Let's, yeah. you know, make the disco floor do something. I think it said boo, right? <laughs> just like, just, just, Okay, whatever we can do. Uh, a silhouette of a spider, right? Sure, that's real quick, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have much time. I still have to make the newspaper that that advertises for this. Thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, but it was it was a lot of little bits, just kind of in the right place, and players' expectations also weren't particularly high at the time because it was going from Penguin Chat three to this place that suddenly had like snow forts and a ski hill and you know there were there were mini games and there weren't mini games before right just all this it's, it's felt huge at the time yeah. so you did the party didn't need to be big because the world was already big so i mean because obviously like, times are so different in 2005 how do you promote a, a new game like i like you said it was nice that you had like that little bit of base to start off with but other than that mm -hmm. like what was the promotion like um so for the first few months was no promotion at all because we wanted to make sure that it was stable and uh as far as i understand lance was already talking with his pretty decent i don't know what friend but at least like kind of colleague in a sense who was the head of miniclip so mini clip my favorite website as a kid Absolutely. there you go favorite. right there were so many games on that website yeah yeah uh and so he already knew the mini clip guys and they already had we're starting to work out a deal of okay here's how when we start needing a big influx of people here's how it's going to work right so other than that like if we needed promotion after that then we would have looked for some but we didn't need any that's, a, uh, that's it, awesome. That's that, that's it's it's crazy to think about now. Yeah. But it was more a case of we weren't trying to, from, from my understanding and looking from from my point of view, we weren't trying to promote it as much as we were trying to figure out how do we throttle it, <laughs> how do we keep it from being too promoted at once? Because the moment if we were to send the floodgates of MiniClip in all at once, then the game would crash. And it it did get slammed several times as we like okay can this work poof right was there a time where we were like multiple times where the game itself actually just like crashed and stopped working while uh, we're on it yeah yeah um, it's it, or at least a bunch of times where it was very close like we kept finding. The best way I can describe it is there were places where the pipes weren't big enough, right? Suddenly, a game that was expecting this amount of population was getting this amount of people, 
right? And they were all trying to jam themselves into here. Club Penguin launches with one server, right? Mm -hmm. And then we divide it into East Coast and West Coast. So now we have two servers. So like, okay, that's not enough. Let's get five. So we have three US, three, uh, one British and one uh Asian, Australian, that that area, something like that. I don't remember where the fifth one said it was located. Maybe it was Canadian. I don't know. Um, but it was. It's kept trying to get the demand of that, and it, it was like uh, Lance ended up having to kind of rewrite the engine in some ways because certain things weren't fast enough, and Flash had released Action Script two, and so that was going to solve certain problems. And like he was. He was doing a lot of late nights just keeping the servers from imploding on themselves. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, I don't remember, like, I mean, obviously I was a kid when I played it, but sure. like, besides Miniclip, you could just go to like clubpenguin.com and that's where yep. it was. Okay. Yes. Then I feel like that's probably where I would have played it from. And I think okay. I used Miniclip for like all the games on there. I just couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, it would have been around the same time, maybe a couple years later webkins came out was there competition between the two uh to my recollection webkins was pre-club penguin just a little bit i think so mm. because it certainly was the the one that i recall being the closest thing to us in the kids space so there was there was nothing exactly like us, but there were a few things we were looking at. For the socialization, we were looking at things like have a hotel. I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so there was that. Um, I know uh, it, it's funny to think about now, but when news reports started talking about us, they, like for a year, were calling us MySpace for Kids which is funny now. Yeah, but, that's but an, that is an odd comparison. Yeah, but keep in mind, this is 2005 that we launched. Which what was, was at its height. Yeah, what was Twitter at the time? Nothing. Yeah. Twitter wasn't here yet. What was Facebook at the time? It was exclusively for high school and college students to meet up with one another, mm -hmm. right? The social media was not big. We had to actually invent some rules and other people trying to describe us like, what? what is this right so yeah it was it was looking at all that i think neopets also was on like neopets would have been like yeah. earlier yeah probably earlier than club penguin like yeah. late 90s yeah. early 2000s i remember mm -hmm. my oldest yeah. playing. So, and yeah, then so technically yeah, disney's kind of like, toontown and disney had some virtual yeah. worlds going as well toontown, yeah. i forgot about toontown. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like your vicinity of competition quote unquote but did you yeah. guys ever feel that like the competition? um there, there wasn't like there wasn't any in studio. Oh, we gotta get those webkins, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, because it, partly it felt like two different products. There was theirs was very much. There's a plush toy with a world attached. Ours was just purely digital, right? Like so, it, it didn't feel like the same thing. And even then, I, 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 it felt like there was a big enough pie for everybody at the time too. So it's we were aware of the competition competition and we kind of kept our eyes on what other people were doing but it was more after club penguin launched and then seeing you know copycat start to to pop up and seeing oh virtual worlds are are big things for kids okay right yeah right. this episode is brought to you by sam pack instruction i'm probably the least handiest person i know 
And by probably, I mean I am the least handiest person I know. But that's where Sam Pack Construction comes in. From construction management to framing to back framing to renovations, fencing and decking to custom builds, they literally do it all. They offer services through the GTA and surrounding areas. You can email them today at sampackconstruction at live.ca to book their services. Again, that is sampackconstruction at live.ca. All right, let's keep going with the episode. And that was obviously like one of your guys' main focus, if not the main focus, was making sure it was safe for kids. Because obviously, yeah. even back then, like there were like creeps on the internet trying to talk to kids. Like, I mean, there oh, was for sure. and stuff, obviously, right? So yep. Yep. Um, were there times when you were driving that point home that it was safe for kids that you guys had problems with that? Like, like trying to come up with new ideas, but then you're like, no, that wouldn't work with be safe for kids. Uh, yeah, to some degree. Um, so, uh, for one thing, the, there was a word filter that was quite active in what people tried to chat because it wasn't just keeping out the classic swear words. It was also trying to see, okay, what, what can we do to steer conversation so that people aren't giving out their home address, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that, um, which was not a perfect system. Um, there were still the occasional thing that got through. There was still the occasional time when, you know, we had to contact law enforcement about something that we knew about or vice versa. Somebody would contact us or something like that. I wasn't part of the team for that, but you'd hear things every once in a while of, oh, well, that's, thanks, humanity, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, there were little things uh, we we had a very active uh team of human moderators um i was called a moderator on club penguin but i very rarely did any moderating mm -hmm. uh, it was more like the 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 bulk of our staff was not the creative team it was the people actually handling email support emails that came in and online experience and things like that and just trying to uh you know log in as a moderator so that you could see all the things that people were trying to say that weren't getting through the filter so that you could spot and go up oh, no you're eventually going to get there and we got to make sure that you don't right that is so, so smart yeah um that's cool yeah for the first few years at least uh it, it was called a blacklist filter we went the club penguin eventually went to a whitelist filter but a blacklist filter means we are trying, we are looking for certain words. And if you say these things, you think that they go through, but other people don't see them. Right. Oh. And that was, it had its downsides, of course, because people were frustrated. How come no one's coming to my igloo when I happen to be saying a word that I shouldn't have been saying while asking people to come to my igloo? But the good thing was that people, a lot of people were trying to go on and bully or immediately like, you know, call somebody a slur or something like that. And instead of getting a reaction from everyone else around them, they would just get silence, which is stifling for someone who's trying to cause a ruckus, mm -hmm. right? And so that was a really good tool. And we tried to maintain that as long as we could, but eventually the blacklist filter was just getting broken in too many ways. And they moved mm -hmm. to a, a whitelist filter of here are the only words you are allowed to say, not here are the words you're not allowed to say. Oh, so that, that must've came out then um, when I had stopped playing. Cause I don't ever remember having that as a, 
as part of the game for me. Yeah, it was. Um, if you ever played when they were starting to do things, I think this was after I had left the company, but like auto completing, um, where as you were typing, it would kind of try to auto complete with some oh. valid words. I yeah. know. I don't think so. I probably would have yeah. stopped playing around the time that you had left, actually. It just wouldn't yeah. happen. Because I was about yeah. grade seven when I stopped playing, and that was about sure. 2009, 2010. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and lo lots of there were little things, um, furniture and igloos. People would try to ar to arrange them into swastikas or something like that, and so there that would get reported and like no, you know, go away. Yeah. Uh, and then um, so another one was uh, if you threw a snowball in Club Penguin. Snowball would throw and it would land somewhere and then there'd be a little snowball down there, right? But did you notice that if you threw a lot of snowballs, the first one would start deleting itself and just kind of go away? Yeah, you could never make a big pile. Right. Yeah, that's because we didn't want people to draw things with the snowballs. Oh, because if they kept doing it and it stayed there, they would they could draw something. Huh. Mm -hmm. I remember would... I actually remember throwing them and stuff like wanting yeah. to make a big pile, but I never could. Yeah. That, that was that was an actual because that's so hard for a human to filter. Right. Uh -huh. How do we know that this has happened? Right. It's so mm -hmm. temporary. There's not going to be any record of this is a shape that somebody made with snowballs. So it's like, no, doesn't matter. We'll allow 10 in a world and then they'll start deleting themselves. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's there's 10 year old me getting frustrated because I can't make a big pile. Yeah. Sorry about that. I want to draw something inappropriate. That uh -huh. I, I'm, I myself probably wouldn't even thought of either. That's crazy. Uh huh. Huh. Yeah. This yeah. is exactly why I have you on here to learn things like this. <laughs> um, yeah. So August 2007, Club yeah. Penguin is purchased by Disney. Yep. Now for you as like a, um, as a uh, person, part of the team. Yeah. What were the differences for you in the workplace, if any, when the purchase from Disney happened? Oh, um, cause that's so, a big deal. So I saw, yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. if the number is correct, but it was 350 million, Three, $350 million. Yes. Um, so in the workplace itself, there was like obvious excitement, uh, cause, uh, this, the, the company had now grown at, on the Disney acquisition. It was around 160 to 170 employees, I would say at the time. Wow. Um, again, like about a hundred of those being the customer support. Um, Yeah. And so there was a thing, the, the, um, well, everybody got Disney silver passes, which was kind of cool. Oh, uh, a, okay. a silver pass is a card that lets you except on certain blackout days, just go to Disney, a Disney theme park for free, huh. uh, which is not something that Disney had a habit of doing, but they were able to make the, the, uh, case that, Hey, these guys we're up in Canada. How often are we actually going to be able to take advantage of this? That's so true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. It's not like they're going to do something for like Disney in Florida or Disney in Orlando. They're not going to that, do that. That's, that. that's a, that's a bigger, bigger cost, but like yeah. it's already like flights to get down there and stuff. And um, yeah, so that, that was a nice perk, but for the most part, um, you know, other than the knowledge that this is a, we have job security for a while. Um, it's it, they didn't try to get into our business to change a bunch of things within how we were working, because part of the purchase was actually to get our expertise. 
they had other virtual worlds going on. They wanted us to actually like speak into those a little bit too. Um, they they were even there would be these things um, we we nicknamed them Mojo tours, which was every once in a while there'd just be like this random group of like six to ten people in suits that were touring our facility and like oh it was just you know some Dis some division in Disney that just wanted to see a studio that was really happy at their jobs just doing stuff <laughs> like it was because we were working the way that we assumed a game studio works and you hear all these stories about like game studios having really rough you know, working conditions and things like that. And there was definitely certain divisions that had certain days of overtime, but in general, we were a healthy studio. We were a diverse studio. Most game studios tended to be like 90% men, 10% women. We had about a 50-50 split, right? Uh, and not just in the customer support roles, like in the in the creative side, it was about 60-40. Like it was, it was very... So there was just this atmosphere of it was a really exciting work environment. I I look back on that and I was kind of living it knowing that it was great and wondering like how how great is it? And now I look back as like, oh, you did not know what you have. You oh yeah. You you mid 20-year-old like you don't know. This you, is you, this you, is the high, high point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It, yeah, huh. it was it was great. Were there changes in your role once Disney bought it? Um, there were always some degree of changes in my role, right? Like, because when I started and I was doing, I had my hand in everything, right? As people were hired to take on certain things, I was able to pass off as like, okay, I'm not touching the newspaper anymore. This person who was hired in has better design sense. Great. And they did wonderful things with it. Um, you know, other people would come on and say, actually, we'd like to take on some of the party decoration stuff. Perfect. You are brilliant at it. Please make amazing parties. And they did. Uh, and so things start getting passed off. My role ended up kind of narrowing to being majority the, uh, um, the, the items team. So that's clothing, furniture, and uh, to some degree pets for a while and stuff like that, but mostly like clothing and furniture, that kind of thing, so that we could be dedicated to that and make more of those things. Um, the one thing, um, pins. So for the first three years that pins existed, I was always the one that hit it in there just so that I could know that like I was always getting onto the world and, and appreciating the world, even if it was like this tiny little thing. It's like, no, I'm going to hide the pin and I'm going to make the pin and this is going to be my thing. Uh, just stuff like that. Um, but yeah, as the studio got bigger, there was more and more pressure to, okay, Chris, you're, you need to specialize, choose something and just sort of stay in that box. And that's not what I was hired to do exactly. Like it was even, uh, you know, a couple of years into it that I started composing music and things for it just out of necessity, which turned into like one of my favorite things. And so, so this, this idea, oh, you need to choose a box. You need to stay in this box. That was, that was uncomfortable um, just because of, of how it seemed like it was a valuable thing that I was actually a little bit of a, a floater but yeah. absolutely hey i mean being talking about being a floater like you yeah you were as a kid yeah. right so i mean mm -hmm. it comes back yeah. to that i love 
of that. Yeah. Uh, so for the next two and a half years, yeah. uh, you obviously stayed with Disney and worked on Club Penguin, but then you left in October 2010. And I know yes. in November 2010, you started your own studio company. Yeah. So I'm assuming the reason for leaving Disney was because you were starting Screen Hog, correct? Um, it was for multiple reasons and that was one of them mm -hmm. um yeah i have to um trying to figure out how best to to say carefully um yeah because like there was recognition at the studio at at club penguin that it would be unwise for us to only be making one product because if if club penguin goes down the whole studio goes down and so for a while in my last year and a bit at at Disney Online Studios, I was actually part of another group trying to see, okay, can we make something else? Oh, like totally from scratch, create totally something, something different. Yeah. And there were a few of those initiatives like that was I was part of the first group for that kind of thing. And then I ended up leaving. Uh, and there were a few other times I understand after the fact where they tried to see, can we make something else as well? Uh, and as far as I understand that that was never really given the go ahead to like fully, like actually uh, produce something, launch something like there were for various reasons uh, mm -hmm. that I'm pretty sure I'm prevented from NDAs and <laughs> getting into. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I left in, uh, in, in 2010 and thought, you know what, I have my music contract work, which I'm keeping up with Club Penguin. Um, I'm pretty sure I can find some other opportunities out there of just like other places I can make music for or connections that I can leverage for being in the industry and things like that. So I decided, yeah. okay, this is, if I'm going to try it at any time, this is when I'm going to try it. Now, 100%. So yeah. uh, I don't know if you can get into this part, but how 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 long were you working on Screenhog Studios before the actual that you started there in November of that year? Was it was it months and months before, or you like created it in November twenty ten? I created it in November twenty ten. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. And then about yeah. four or five months later, um, yeah. I read that you became a pro prototyper yeah. at Rocket Snails Games with yes. Rocket Snails we talked about before. So that was that was ran by Lance as well. That was run by Lance as well. Yeah. Lance, so I, oh, so once yeah. he started interrupts, but when once yeah. Disney had bought Club Penguin from him, did he he had to move? Did he have to move on? Or he, didn't. he didn't have to move on. Um, I understand that there was some kind of non-compete clause that was involved in what he was doing. Um, he, yeah, it, I can't really speak for him, but he ended up also leaving Disney in 2010. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. right around the same time as you. So then, Ish, when yeah. you, when did you hear about? Rock Snails games and wanting to be a part of it. Uh, it was same kind of thing as before. Actually, he just contacted me and say, saying, "I have some industry connections, and I know that you, Chris, have been learning Unity, which looks like it's going to be the future." Uh, so, uh, you know, last week's events notwithstanding, uh, I don't know if you've heard much about Unity's uh, issues in the last little few days. No, oh. Yeah, it's it's interesting. 
anyway, uh, yeah, um, you want to come on as a Unity developer. We're going to try prototyping some things and pitch some things to some other studios because I've made a bunch of industry contacts uh, and and I have a track record now of, of having some uh, some success with that. And so it's like, well, sure. Can I keep doing ScreenHog Studios while I'm working with you? Yeah, you can. Great. Okay, I will do that. That will be part of my income as well. So, Jeez, yeah. That's awesome. This episode is brought to you by Douglas Works. Douglas Works is a full-service lawn, landscape, and property maintenance company. From lawn care to landscape design and install to gardens, tree removal, excavating, grading, junk removal, window cleaning, and so much more. Almost anything outside, they've got you covered. As the leaves turn, they're gearing up for fall cleanups and snow removal. You can call, text, or email to book your call service today. That's 705-868-1981 or douglasworks87 at gmail.com. Once again, you can call, text, or email to book your call services. 705-868-1981 or douglasworks87 at gmail.com. So um, the beginning in creating of ScreenHog Studios, what did you take away from Disney, Club Penguin, New Horizon to um, put into your own work? Um, well, Club Penguin was a great training ground for me to be able to compose stuff. Like my ability to compose music was on the job training that I just learned with every new song that I made for Club Penguin. And being the type of game it was, it was not a game that wanted just one genre of music. I got to play around in like two dozen different genres of music while I was working there. So I got to like just, okay, this style, sure. This style, why not, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so just in general, that was really useful when it started to be on my own and to say, oh, you know, you as a client want this? Great, I can do that. Uh, so that was, that was certainly nice. Okay, so screen hog basically i mean i don't know if, it, if it's still the same now but you like you have like let's say a specific team that creates for other companies so it's not like you guys are creating your own games screen hog studios is just me oh. so I, I i am a sole proprietor if it if, i named it that so that if it got bigger it would make sense but yeah it's that's just me it sounded better than screen hog studio just the alliteration at yeah, the fair. end it's just it it sounded good, right? So you're uh, you're you're helping create other uh, companies' products. Yes, got yeah. you. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before, but your music really did like stick in people's minds. Because like, when I think of Club Penguin, I always think about the music in the pizzeria. <laughs> when we play that game where you'd put all the toppings on the pizzas and stuff, that's mm -hmm. the second you'd walk in, you hear that. So that's just just so you yeah, know, it it does stick with people. That song, like most songs, I have to kind of like try and figure out a melody or a starting point. That song was the second song that I ever composed for Club Penguin. And it it was like it was in my head fully formed. Mm -hmm. I To this day, I'm convinced that I must have at least stolen part of it from something because I don't know how that one was made like it's it's a certain genre of music uh, italian genre called a tarantella but other than that like i haven't it no one's come up to me and said hey you copied my songs like oh finally somebody figured it out right i i don't yeah it's 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 weird it's just it was it was uh after i made the music for thin ice and they needed pizzatron music boom the song was in my brain I was like 
well, can I try and make this song too? I already have an idea. Sure, right? And it ended up kind of being like one of the main catchy pieces of music. That here's, I, yeah, here's that evidence I, right here. Yeah. Remembering yeah. it 17, no, more than that. Probably about 20, just under 20 years later for me. So yeah. I, I see it pop up in random YouTube videos. Really? Like just I'm just watching some video of like somebody else discussing a completely different video game or something, and then suddenly Pizzatron's in the background, like, hey, that's amazing. We're family, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. and it, it's funny because we talked about comparisons about other games at the time, and that's I feel like one thing that made club penguin stick out so much was the music you didn't see that in habbo hotel you definitely didn't see it in webkins so i mean and then i don't think there was anything in neopets so well, they had music right but, but, yeah. but I, I think it was just the, the 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 way the music was just like the music itself was just different than any of the other place uh, any of the other websites or any of the other games so i think that was one that's a definitely another thing clearly 20 years later i'm remembering <laughs> melody something right yeah yeah. So yeah. no, I I love that. That's so cool. <clears throat> when you joined Rocket Snail Games, what was your roles? Were there differences or similarities between um, Rocket Snail and then Club Penguin? Uh, to some extent, uh, in Club Penguin, I did start out doing some degree of game prototyping and even making, like, um, so in Club Penguin, I'm made astral barrier ice fishing bean counters um like actually like that's where i club penguin was where i learned to program in oh, action script wow what a place <laughs> to learn <laughs> yeah uh i didn't i i knew some programming before but i'd never programmed an action script before and when i had downtime in the like months leading up to the launch of club penguin it's like hey i have this game idea can i just sort of use the computers and it at work here to make it and that's where astro barrier came from huh. and astro barrier only came onto club penguin because we were suddenly in need of some unique mini games and they said hey chris made one it seems pretty solid should we just like add it to the world like i'm okay with that which is why it has absolutely nothing to do with penguins yeah that was that was that game was the most like badly coded thing because it was my first experience yeah. and some poor person years later had to recode the whole thing to make achievements work in it oh. i know i i i am so sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway so prototyping for that ended up becoming i was doing some prototypes of different ideas for rocket snail as well there was uh we uh our first really big game with rocket snail that launched was uh, mech mice that became mech mice tactics and when we were trying to figure out what mech mice was going to be um i made a few just real basic prototypes like do we want it to be a first person thing do we want it to be an an overhead thing is this a thing where you move your squad all at the same time right like there's there was a bunch of different uh possible things and so part of my my work with that was prototyping and you know, music development and a variety of things. I love that. I mean, like, yeah. that's pretty cool that there are so many big parts of like your career that you learned in the middle of having one of the biggest, like being part of the, one of the biggest games in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That just shows you the times as well, because like, I don't know, you would know better than me if like they would do that now, like trust somebody to start learning on the fly while a game's one of the biggest in the world. Um, 
So a small studio would. Yeah. Right. And keep in mind when you're starting out and it's a group of five people, you just take whatever skills you can get from the people that you have and you you tailor the game to what is possible. Right. Um, and even small studios now would certainly do that kind of thing. Um, if it was a case where it was a large studio that knew that this was going to be a big hit, probably not. But there's so much uncertainty in the game industry and it, it's it's difficult to predict like what's going to get big and what's not, right? There are games that you throw a $100 million budget at and they go nowhere. And then there's some little indie game that blows up and suddenly Toby Fox is making music for Smash Brothers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so then, obviously, Roxanne was changed to uh, Hyper Hippo Games, and then you were there up until 2017. Yes. So um, leaving in 2017, one, what was the reason? And two, I want to get a, a, a timeline from 2017 to now of what Chris Henricks is doing. Cool. Okay. Uh, so uh, Rocket Snail becomes Hyper Hippo Games, and um mech mice uh i'm trying to just remember what sort of things are publicly known about things mech mice does not land um the, the game as it was built doesn't really work out and mech mice was turned also into a first person shooter which had a little bit more success but not enough to do anything sustaining the company and so the thing was okay let's just make whatever kinds of games for hyper hippo that will stick just whatever you want to try and make make it work but with the knowledge that in a few months if nothing works the company is not going to survive and in that time comes a game called adventure capitalist which is an idle game uh it's a it's a game where you just you're making a lemonade stand and you click that lemonade stand to make a dollar and then you click the lemonade stand to make another dollar and you have enough money now to buy another lemonade stand yes it's okay of, yeah, no, yeah yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yes uh, it's part of a genre of games called idle games. And while it was certainly not the first one, there were ones before that. Cookie Clicker is probably the most famous. There was also one, uh, I think, Cow Clicker, uh, which was made as a parody. And the parody ended up being kind of popular. Oh, no. uh, much to the creator of that game's dismay. Because uh, he was trying to like say, no, look how stupid the game industry is. They <laughs> yeah. make games like this. Wait, no, this isn't supposed to work. Right? Yeah. Like, it was a weird... Um, but Hyper Hippo becomes an idle games only studio. Mm. And I am not good at making idle games. I'm just not good at the mindset of they don't feel like games. They feel like I'm doing things, but then I'm just telling the computer to do things for me, right? If a game, Sid Meier's definition is that a game is a series of interesting choices. An idle game to me is a game with no interesting choices. You're just doing something and it's just all busy work and it, it doesn't it doesn't excite the brain in a way that I feel like a game needs to. And so because Hyper Hippo was idle games only, they said to anyone in the studio that wasn't working on idle games, our experimentation with other game styles has ended. We're going to be an idle games only studio. And so then I had to I had to leave. And so after that, it became a, well, I guess we're back to ScreenHog Studios. Um, who's, who's going to take me? And fortunately, well, 
unfortunately, in, in many ways. But Club Penguin is going through its own shift because this is now 2017. Right. And right. And so all of these developers at Club Penguin that aren't that weren't that aren't at Club Penguin anymore have started their own game studios. And they know that I make music. And so they contact me and say, hey, can you make some music for our game? Can you make some music from our games? At the same time, you have people who played Club Penguin who are now in their 20s and they're making their own game studios. And they think back to like Pizzatron and go, hey, the guy who made that, we could just hire him to like do stuff. And so I, I've actually had at least 10, probably up to 15 now, just former Club Penguin fans say, hey, can you make music for our game studio? Wow. Which has been a fun kind of you know, circle uh, as well, because, you know, to actually like contribute to some of these other projects people are working on. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of music making. Um, there's been some long-term projects. Uh, for a while, I was working with a company called Hero Factor Games out of Oklahoma. They were making a puzzle game. Uh, it didn't really land. Um, and so that's, that project stopped before it really uh, finished. But uh, there were a few other things. Currently, the big project that I've been at for the last year or so, uh, it's with a company called Rule of Cool Studios. So Rule of Cool Studios has made a game called Star We There Yet? And it ironically is an idle game, but it's not just an idle game. There's, there's other components to it as well. Um, but uh, it's, a, we're at, it's being advertised currently as a road trip in space. And so think Star Trek, but if the most interesting things that happened were actually like just traveling through space getting space debris, meeting some of the characters on there, seeing that like some of the comical missions that they're going on, just that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, that's the main project that I've been involved with. And all throughout that time, um, I've been making music. Uh, there was a project, uh, a few projects that uh, Lance Rocket Snail has been involved with. One's called Box Critters. I made music for that. Um, there's a party parrot. I've made some music for that. Um, those are both, uh, former club penguin team members that have been building those. So yeah, it's just trying to see how best to sustain myself. And, you know, also when I have opportunities, make a few YouTube videos on the side. Well, I mean, for one, that's amazing how busy you've, you've been since you left hyper hippo. So congrats to you and and that must be a really cool feeling to have someone like you mentioned kids that were playing the game now creating stuff and wanting to use the guy that that they remember the music from so just yeah, for, for yeah. That, that that that's amazing that's really cool but yeah, yeah to get into your youtube so um it helped me learn a lot about you there were like the videos of five things you didn't want in club penguin but there were <laughs> or 10 yeah. random facts about club yeah. penguin so like there's a lot of good uh nuggets you can get from your youtube channel so um yeah. the re like creating the youtube channel did when did when did that like come to fruition be like you know what i'm gonna share my knowledge and my trivia to the fans of club penguin that was uh the thing about being a contract worker is that you have some feast and famine and you have times where you're busy and you have times when things are really slow and during one of those slow times i was just going what what can I do? Um, let's just find out whether or not anyone is interested in just 
hearing from me about the music that I made on Penguin and other Club Penguin related things. Just see whether or not that interest is still out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it turned out there was. Uh, and while I have made other videos, the Club Penguin ones are by far the most popular. Um, so uh, yeah, it was just it was just kind of on a whim of like a few times daring myself to do it. And then one of those times actually taking myself up on the dare and just quickly making this hastily made, okay, I'm just gonna play live a couple of songs. Do you wanna see more of this? You know, click like, uh, and and that's that's where it started. That's amazing. Yeah, and like looking at it, like you have 30, just over 30,000 subscribers. Like uh, the one video yeah. I was watching earlier, the five things you didn't want in the game. Yeah. 140,000 views. Yeah. Yeah. And you upload that un uh, under a year ago. So it's like yeah. The, yeah. the the amount of views you get and like that people want to know about things about Club Penguins is insane. And like I yeah. was going down the Club Penguin rabbit hole after watching your videos and it's like yeah. crazy how many like that's the channels are dedicated to Club Penguin. Still. I've been around in years. People still use Club Penguin characters as their avatar on social media. People still like make memes you know, using screenshots that either are things that are really old screenshots or going on to like the private servers that exist now to try and, you know, make new ones or something, right? Like it's, Crazy. it, despite some best efforts, it has not died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just looking the making of Club Penguin, 10 things you didn't know, you yeah. uploaded that four years ago, 273,000 views. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. crazy. And like, no, like it's honestly, it's really cool. You just learn about things like, like the, um, the secret agent club penguin. That was my favorite part of the game. Like I just, mm. I thought that was so yeah. cool. So new, um, a new way of enjoying the game. And like you have a video oh, yeah. four years ago, secrets of the club, 170,000 yeah. views. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the missions club penguin still gets to this day. Yeah. The missions were great. They were. Like, they they weren't the most replayable things, unfortunately. But the first time experiencing them was always such a delight. And then they made a couple DS games based on them. And so like that's like the most legit way to play Club Penguin now is to experience it through through Nintendo DS games or the Wii game, I guess. But yeah, so random. Yeah. So random. Yeah. Yeah. But no, um, no, that's amazing. And Chris, like, I think that's all I got for you. If you have anything yeah. you want to promote, be my guest. The floor is yours. Um, well, uh, I am still available. I have uh, screenhog.com and I have a contact page on there. Um, if you have a um, piece of music that is like, that would be great if you made it. Or you say want a penguin drawn in the old style of club penguin that was just my art style so i never changed i still draw penguins that way so you can always just like you know message me and say hey i have some degree of pocket change can you draw a penguin for me uh and i will gladly do so or just send me a message on there um yeah, uh, and uh, Star We There Yet is going through some some rewrites and some changes around. So hopefully in the next couple months, keep an eye out for um, uh, updates to that, and um, and 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 be kind to the people around you. Um, Oh, the world's gotten crazy in the last seven or eight years. Please be kind to one another even the people that you disagree with, mm -hmm. because 
just for me. <laughs> That's all I got. Fair enough. I, 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 love, I love it. Well, yeah, Chris, thank yeah. you again for coming on here. And um, we'll You're definitely chat again soon down the line. So I yeah. will talk to you later. Thank you again. I much appreciate it. It was, it was fun. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Bye. And that was the Quaid Bar Show.